Welcome to the Spakin Podcast. You can find all our episodes on spakinpodcast.com or also at YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got four other podcasts and you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Today, my guest, another podcaster, but he's doing a lot more than that. Based in Australia, please welcome John Warren. Hey, Roy. How you doing? I'm very well. See, you might let the listeners know. Who's John? Uh, well, as, as you mentioned, I am Australian, as people can probably tell from my accent, you know, and yes, absolutely a podcaster, but I'm also more commonly known as, I guess, an e-commerce expert, coach, uh, and a high-ticket dropshipper, which is um, kind of what I do and what I've been doing for the last eight years. Uh, it's a type of e-commerce business that I run myself and uh, uh, I teach other people how to do. Excellent. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to delve into that in detail, but uh, like, I wouldn't have thought that you could do a podcast on that, but I've listened to a few of your episodes. and Like I didn't check all of them, but I mean, there's you and your partner, Ben, and it's a, it's a very nice uh, format that you've got a nice relaxed conversation, but you're able to cover a lot of things on it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's, it's the, the, the dropship podcast it's called. And um, Ben and I, who's my co-host there, we, we were actually friends for quite some time. So we, we both uh, were doing the same business model and we actually met online um, and we knew each other online just from various form, forums and helped each other a lot, out a lot there. And we ended up meeting uh, face-to-face a, a few years back and really hit it off and uh, kept in touch ever since. And we used to have a weekly conversation like just like a catch up, you know, two two people doing business, you know, we'd catch up and just, you know, talk nonsense really. And uh, one day we had the bright idea that wouldn't it be funny if we just recorded these conversations, right? And uh, you know, we were like, yeah, let's do that. And it kind of just slowly turned into into the podcast, you know. So it's it's got that relaxed feel, I think, because we just kind of approach it like two friends talking to each other. Do you know what I mean? Um, like like you might in a bar or something like that. Uh, sometimes we argue, sometimes we call each other names and, you know, all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been going pretty well. And we do cover a bit of ground, our, our approach with that. I mean, it's all about the type of drop shipping that we do and the type of e-commerce businesses that we run. But we really do take the approach that, you know, we don't really hold anything back. So we, we actually share with people how you, how you can actually do what we do and all that sort of thing. And when you, I think when you approach it in that way, you know, there's there's tons of stuff to talk about there. Yeah. I think it's one of the best forms of marketing, actually, because, I mean, you've obviously got some leads from the podcast because, you know, like the people that are interested in that will hear what you're doing and then go, hey, I like their style. And I mean, you give a lot of tips. Like, I mean, I've I listened to a few and I know you're, re- you're not holding back, like you're sharing a lot of uh, websites and everything that you recommend people to use. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, but I think, you know, podcasting, if you're prepared to do it and put, put the energy into it, put the effort into it, be consistent and all of that sort of thing. It's a fantastic marketing tool. So when I talk to people about joining our, our course and our program, they already know us. They've already got to know us. They've already worked out in their mind, whether they like listening to me talk, whether they can stand the sound of my voice and all of that sort of thing. They've shown the value that they've seen the value that we can provide to other people and it, it, it's kind of like they're already convinced they want to work with us. And I don't really even have to sell what we do because people have had such, you know, great exposure over, over hours and hours of content that we have out there for free. They know whether it's a good fit or not. 
And I see you're actually with Simplecast. Have you been with them from the start or did you move around? We have actually been with Simplecast from the start. Um, I'm not uh, historically a podcaster. This was my first podcast that we're doing now. Ben, my partner and co-host. Congratulations. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's been podcasting for a bit longer. So he's had a few other podcasts over the years. And I think he's probably, he's tried a few different things. And uh, yeah, he's on uh, Simplecast uh, for that. Yeah. So he's just kind of brought me to that, really. So like with, because I see uh, like the, the website, drop, Dropship Breakthrough, I think it's called. Yeah. That's, are you like partners in that? Or do you just do like kind of your own thing? And it's like a marketing for, oh, where does it? No, absolutely. We're we're partners on Dropship Breakthrough, which is the name of our um, education and coaching program that sort of teaches people how to how to build, launch, and grow high ticket dropshipping businesses. Uh, I actually started that myself back in 2019, and sort of as me and Ben started working together on things like the podcast, um, he came into that business as well. So now it's a it's a business we share. Uh, we're co-owners of that business, and uh, it's been that way yeah for about. Uh, about a year now actually yeah yeah excellent excellent so like with with what you're done i have have you got like an online i mean obviously you have the coaching but do you have like an online course as well that people come in and yeah yeah absolutely we have a um we have an online course uh which is called dropship breakthrough so dropshipbreakthrough.com is the website if you go there you'll sort of uh you'll you'll be able to find out all about it yeah so we have uh a set of online lessons, um, modules and all of that sort of thing that people work through. So somebody who's coming in from scratch wants to start a business, starts from the start and it goes all the way through um, to building one of those businesses up to uh, an eight figure a year type of business, which is what we've done. And so we take people through the entire gamut, all the marketing strategies they need, how to set it up, everything. So it's very, it's very comprehensive. It's been built over a number of years. I'm biased, but I think it's 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 the best one out there on this particular topic, of course. And like when you're creating, say, the online course, I mean, I've seen some of the videos from the website where, you know, there's like the little box and then you're talking and it's, it's just an easy format, but that's the ones that are on the thing. Mm. Is it something similar that you do or do you actually have uh, like someone recording as you're, you're doing it? What way did you actually have most of the videos? Uh, so a lot of it is that sort of over the shoulder style because we, we go step through step through things, step by step, I should say, through things like building a website, for example. So I'm actually recording the screen as I'm doing it. And each video will be the next part of, you know, it's like a series of videos, set up this part of the website, next video is the next part of the website. And so I'll usually have, yeah, a, a screen like this with, you know, a talking head in, in the box there while the rest of the screen is recording what I'm actually doing. So people can, and, and I do it that way. A lot of, in a lot of courses, they'll just do it recording the whole screen without the talking head. Um, and I sometimes do that, but I find it's a bit more engaging for people when there's a face talking to them, right? It feels once again, a bit more like a conversation um, rather than, you know, just a, a, a presentation on a screen, you know, like a PowerPoint or something like that. Oh, which, yeah, totally yeah, agree. Yeah. To get a bit boring, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I like I I've used uh, a Loom to do that. It's like they do a circle. Is it Loom you or what system do you use for that? Uh, I know Ben likes to use Loom. My uh, Ben, my my partner. I use uh, Camtasia actually, mm -hmm. which is a uh, you know a bit uh, Loom's great. Don't get me wrong. I like to, I often use Loom when I'm um, 
you know, recording videos for like um, virtual assistants or employees or that sort of thing um, to demonstrate something that they need to do in their day to day. But uh, for the course videos, I've always used Camtasia, uh, which is a bit more of a, a bit more of an advanced video editing tool. Yeah. And for like, say, a system, and because I know there's a lot of people that are now it's kind of the space where people are trying to create courses and do different things for mm. actually, because some are brilliant, some you go in and it's just for, it, you know, it tracks everything, it tracks where you've been, you know, yeah, you finished on halfway through episode thing. And yep. like, what, what system are you using for actually, you know, the platform for people that go in? Yeah. So we use Kajabi. Uh, which is a which is an online hosting tool for uh, educational content. Basically, it's um, you know I'm I've used a few over the years. I've uh, been through various WordPress plugins to do it on WordPress and all that sort of thing. But um, we've been on Kajabi for about a year now, and I'm very happy with it. I, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's looking at starting a course. It's you know it makes it's it's one of those platforms kind of like shopify is for e-commerce so we're we're big proponents of shopify which is a hosted e-commerce platform it just makes it really simple to set your course up like it's it's really intuitive it's very easy to learn particularly if you're somebody who's starting a course by yourself for the first time because a lot of those tools to get courses online they can get very complex and and you can have lots of different different tools that have to work together that you've got to connect together. Whereas Kajabi kind of just puts it all in one place and it's very easy to set up and it is a good experience for the students. So it does all of that stuff that you mentioned, like tracking your progress and you can manage your account and do all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty Excellent. cool tool. I'm just curious, are you just targeting the, with the course, the English market or have you got like subtitles? Because that's something for myself that I'm actually looking at. I'm getting it translated to Polish and a few other languages because you can have the, the voiceover or the subtitles or even both is that something that you've played with not at all yeah no so but i mean it is something that i've had in the back of my mind for quite some time um uh, so primarily we target uh with our marketing and what we talk about we're targeting the uk australia the us canada are, are our main targets and and some of mainland europe so because that's where you know, we've got experience with the business model that we're teaching, right? It works best where there's an established e-commerce market. Now, in a lot of countries around the world where other languages other than English are, are the primary language, there's not necessarily an established e-commerce market yet. So it's a bit more questionable whether the business model works in that country as yet. Um, but there's a lot of markets that are emerging where that's going to become more and more the case right, where other languages are spoken. So I would love to say, yeah, I'd love to have it in translated in some way into other languages. I think that would be fantastic. And it's been something that's been on my mind for a long time, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really, I don't think I've worked out how, what, what's the best way to do that yet. I've heard that Adobe is supposed to be good for it because I'm looking at that at the moment. So it's being currently translated and apparently it's a good way of doing it. So I can keep in touch with Genuine and let you know once my one Man. is done and share yeah. it with you, it'll be no problem. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to hear about that for sure. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. So I know that you kind of concentrate on high ticket items because obviously, yeah, it's a lot less work. But you might talk about both because some people want to sell the little widget and 
get it from, say, you know, Alibaba or something like that. And yeah, exactly. So you might just let oh. people know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the way we do it, high ticket dropshipping, it's, it's actually a form of dropshipping that's been around for 20 plus years, right? I know people who have been doing it for that long. Um, so it's about almost as old as the e-commerce market in most countries. So the, the difference with what we do is, yes, it's high ticket products. So we, we work with an average product price of $1,000 or more, okay? But it's, it's not just the, the, the high ticket nature of the products. We also work with local suppliers. So this is one of the big differences between, say, AliExpress dropshipping, which was popularized in recent years, which involves selling you know, $20 widgets from the, that are shipped from China to another country, right? So use, let's use the, the US as an example. If I was running a high-ticket dropshipping business in the US, I would be sourcing my products from within the US, from manufacturers and brands that are already on the market in the US and that are already known to the market that they serve. And I'm just shipping them to my end user who is also in the US. So my shipping time is a day, two days, three days, something like that. Whereas if I'm shipping it from China or something like that, it's going to take seven days, 14 days. It gets lost along the way. Even two and three with, months. Uh, even that. And we've got all sorts of troubles with international shipping at the moment. You know, it's it's probably people would be familiar. There's container shortages. There's, you know, uh, industrial action on docks and places like that in the US for a long time, which held up a lot of international freight. And so it's, you know, it's a bit of a riskier proposition bringing stuff in from overseas. Like every time you sell something, it's got to come from somewhere overseas to get to the customer. The other big difference as well is when you're selling these sort of expensive products, you're getting them from local brands that are established. They're high quality products, right? The product that you're selling has already been tried and tested. It's been on the market sometimes for five, 10 years. Whereas when you're getting something once again from someone like AliExpress, you don't know what the quality of that product is. You know, it might be super low quality. It might come broken. And so what you see with those sort of businesses is that you get really high sort of, um, you know, negative feedback from your customers um, because they're constantly getting really low quality products or they're not getting the product. It didn't turn up or it's broken or something like that. Whereas with high ticket dropshipping, that's a really rare, right? returns, all that sort of thing is, is the, the percentage of those in your business is very low because the products are great quality. And when somebody's buying, you know, let's say a, just to use an example, a $4,000 infrared sauna, they've thought about that purchase before they make it because that's a lot of money to spend, right? And trust me, tons of people buy those online, right? But it's a lot of money. And so they've thought about it They've done their research before they hit that button. So when they get it, they don't go, oh, no, it's not right for me. I'm going to send it back. Right? Like they might with a T-shirt or, you know, a fidget spinner or something like that. They want to keep that thing. They really want it, right? And so you, the whole experience is just a much better experience. Not to mention when I sell that $4,000 infrared sauna, I'm going to put $1,000 in my pocket as a business owner, right? Now, how many $20 products that you're making maybe $5 profit off do you have to sell and process to make the same as that one sale? You need a whole team to do that just to make as much as one sale. Whereas with high ticket dropshipping, I've seen guys doing, you know, three to $4 million in sales a year 
by themselves. They're the only person working in the business. So there's a lot of differences, but for me, it's just a much more stable, predictable and profitable way to do dropshipping than you know, that sort of low ticket route where you're just selling $20, $30 products. Is it always B2C or is there sometimes through your marketing that you'll get kind of some other business, small business that would be actually selling absolutely. it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's B2B, there's B2C. You can, some businesses will have both. So the first business that I launched in this space, I was selling chandeliers and lighting for homes, outdoor lights that you put on a house, uh, you know, decorative pendant lights, that sort of thing. So I would actually sell a lot of those products to interior designers and architectural firms, as well as, uh, you know, retail customers, you know, somebody who's, you know, upgrading their house or building a new house or something like that. Um, you know, we've got students who make sales to universities. So, or sporting teams, for example. So we have some, some students who sell, uh, you know, products that are used for sports training um, and they sell to sporting teams. And those, those are really big sales. So we've got students who have um, sold over six figures of products in one sale. So $100,000 plus in just one sale, right? Um, you only got to make one of those a month and you're sitting pretty. Yeah, you've got a beautiful, yeah. <laughs> so what about like, it's different when you've built it to a certain level because you could probably get the company that's manufacturing to kind of brand it under your own name or whatever. But when you're starting off, because... I, I suppose I'm just so used to the trickery in business. Like if you had the B2B that they're not actually putting their own marketing inside it so that then they bypass you and go around it. Have you kind of systems in place to stop that? Uh, no, look, we don't really worry about that. So, and this is what, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a fair question. And I think it's something that a lot of people think is, and the question is always, well, you know, there's brands that you're, you're selling the products for. Why don't they just sell directly to the customer or, or whatever it is? Um, and the reality is, is that there are brands that produce products that do do that, right? That's their business. And so you never work with them, but there are so many companies out there that are just in the, like the manufacturing and product design and production space. And that's the space they want to be in. They're not in the retail space. And this has always been the case. So a high ticket dropshipping store is kind of like a, a kind of specific department store. Like if, if you're somebody who's, you know, a bit older, right? And you're, you're used to offline shopping, you know, you think walking into a department store, there's all sorts of brands on sale there, right? Uh, through that department store, through that retailer, you can't buy them directly from any of those brands, right? They don't have their own shop or anything like that. That's kind of the case here. When you really dig into it, you would be surprised. There are literally like in the US, which is the market I'm most familiar with, um, but same in the UK, same in Australia, there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of companies that produce a product or multiple products who do not sell direct to the, to the customer. They rely on a network of retailers to do that for them, to manage the customer service, to do the marketing and all of that sort of stuff, they just don't want to do that. That's not their business. That's not their business model. Their business model is the manufacturing and the logistics. That's what they want to do. That's what they do best. Um, and so they're happy to partner with people like me to do the bit that they don't do to get the product into their customer's hand. 
when you've got say the product on Shopify, because sometimes you've got maybe someone can check because there's even software that you can even find out a lot of information mm. and like like say discounting is do they ever kind of determine hey you can't go below a certain price and the other thing that you don't want a system of it's a race to the bottom where everyone's kind of dropping just to become number one on the the shopify site for that product yeah yeah so most most brands of high ticket products will set the pricing for you so they'll have in the us it's called minimum advertised pricing uh, in other countries, say for Australia, where I am, they'll set recommended retail pricing. So they'll say, yep, you can sell our product, but you can't sell it for less than $1,500. If you do, we're just going to cut you. You're out. You're not allowed to sell our product yeah. anymore. So what that does is it establishes a minimum price. Nobody can go below it. No other retailer. So everybody can sell at the same price. Uh, so it really price is not a factor. Is, is not a competitive factor, right? So you've got to rely on doing other things, other value for your customer, better marketing, all of that sort of thing to make more sales than your competitors. You can't be the person who goes in and says, well, you can say we've got the lowest price, but everybody can say that because everybody's got the same price, right? So technically everybody has the lowest price. So it's not really a part of your unique selling proposition that you've got the lowest price on these products because usually you don't. Which... You know, for me, it's a good thing, right? Because no, you've definitely. always got a margin. You've always got a margin. And, you know, going for the lowest price, that's that's the realm of lazy marketers, right? So if you're a good marketer, if you're somebody who's a student of marketing, you know, you'll do well there because you've got healthy margins and you're the person that's going to win, right? And with, with the actual marketing then, because I mean, with all the different businesses that I've been working over the years, you know, like obviously you try to build as much organically, but what I've kind of learned, and I've seen it as well being exposed, both Facebook and Google, that when you start paying, then your organic starts dropping. And I'm just curious, what, what's, do you just kind of say, okay, let's just go for paid and stick with that? Uh, no, so we have a bit of a hybrid model. Uh, what surprises a lot of people when we talk about this business model is that we really don't use social media much. Uh, so we don't do Facebook ads. We don't do TikTok ads. We don't do Instagram stuff. Um, you have a Facebook page for your business, yes. And you know you can put some content on it. But primarily, and, and there's a good reason for that, but primarily when somebody wants to buy a, an expensive product, right? They don't buy it off social media. Why? Because they're not there to buy stuff. So it's about respecting why your customer is where they are online. You can't, you can't interrupt market somebody with a $4,000 product. Like they're not flipping through their Facebook feed. Oh, look, there's a $4,000 product. I'm just going to buy it now, right? You can do that with a $20 product, right? Because who cares about $20? It's nothing. That's, to most people, that's nothing. If they lose it, they're not going to cry, right? So that they will buy that $20 widget straight off Facebook. And that's why the low ticket dropshippers for years were big into Facebook ads and all that sort of thing, because it's, it relies on interruption marketing. You can't do that with $4,000 products. So we need to go and meet those customers where they are and where they are is on search engines. So if somebody wants to buy an infrared sauna using the example I used earlier, they're going to go to a search engine. They're going to start researching infrared saunas. 
right? And so that's where I want my website turning up. So we will use Google ads and a very large reliance on search engine optimization. So organic traffic, we encourage and show our students how to do content marketing. So we're big on content. Might surprise you. Yeah, I'm a podcaster. I'm big on content. I love YouTube and all of that sort of thing. So blog content, video content, all that sort of thing, but primarily based around search engines is where the marketing is for high ticket dropshipping. Yeah. And just curious, what's your recommendation then for somebody that's doing this? Do they kind of not show themselves or on a trust basis? Is it better that they see the person who's the company for all the marketing? Uh, yeah, look, I think, yeah, it's, it's a good question. A lot of people don't like putting their name or their face on their business for these type of businesses. That's, that's not my way of doing things. I don't think I prefer that a, there, there's a face to a business, right? I think that's an important thing because people form relationships with people. I, I believe you don't form a relationship with a faceless, faceless company. You know, there's no, there's no connection there. And I think if you've got, yeah, you've got to have a great brand and all that sort of thing. But I think if you add a human element to your brand, then it's easier for people to make a, a lasting impression and connection with that brand, right? And so, yeah, I recommend if you're the, the owner of one of these businesses, your About Us page and all of that sort of thing has your face on it and your name, you know? And, uh, you know, same same on, on other places where you might have content. I don't think there's any harm at all in injecting yourself into your business here. And, and once again, I think customers love that, right? So, and we will encourage our students to do things like, you know, when you're, when you, your customers are purchasing for you, or you get repeat purchases, like contact them, send them a letter, send them out. You can get these companies that'll send out postcards with your name and stuff on it, but as though it comes personally from you, just doing things like that, you know, answering the phone every now and then talking to a customer, they go, oh, wow, you're the business owner and you're talking to me on the phone. Nobody else does that. I'm going to buy from you, right? So I think it's it's good. It's good to 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 be there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And because I know you done an episode recently on affiliate marketing, and you know, just yeah. for those that wouldn't be you know familiar with what you've discussed, because I think it's something that's kind of worth looking at. I know a lot of people do the affiliate marketing kind of for small ticket items, but for this, it, it's like a win-win situation as well. Yeah, doing affiliate marketing for high ticket products is actually a good idea, right? Because once again, there's more money to give you a commission with, right? So once again, as an affiliate marketer, if you're, if you're working with high ticket products, uh, you're going to get a fatter commission from, some, from you know, helping somebody sell a $4,000 product and you're going to have to do it less frequently than if you're trying to recommend, you know, you know, low ticket products and, and you're going to have to do that at really high volume, which makes your marketing more expensive usually and reduces your, uh, reduces your margins. So uh, once again, that's another great thing about high ticket is you just don't need so many customers, right? You don't need to like bring in masses and masses of traffic all the time. And the bigger you want to go, the, you know, the more expensive it gets, right? you don't have to do that to, to make a decent amount of money. You can actually work with a surprisingly small customer base and still make decent money because every sale produces so much, so much profit in dollar terms. 
I think it's ClickBank that I was aware of before. Is there, like, would you deal with just one, or would you go? Because there's there's a load. No, there's a lot of different ones. Do you oh, kind of? So do you do you reckon just go out to all of them, or just kind of stick with one of the higher end ones? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I would probably. I I definitely be shopping around. It kind of depends what what um, what market and what niche you want to serve as well. I think. You probably find because you know any type of business you, you want to serve a defined ideal customer and their, and their interests right so whether it's somebody who loves to play golf or you know some other thing so you, you'll probably find that different networks have different offers and some might align more closely with 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 your particular little part of the internet that you want to serve I've seen that uh, your reviews on your website, it's fairly decent. And you've got a lot of video ones as well. Because you mentioned as a, is that, have you a system for actually taking all your reviews or is it just that they, they fill it out on a form? Because it looks very good, you know, when you yeah. scroll down, you see all the different reviews that you've got from your clients. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at getting reviews. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish I could say I had a fantastic system for doing it. We have a good tool that we use to gather reviews, which is called uh, Endorsal. Endorsal, like a dorsal fin on a shark. Endorsal, you know, play on words. Endorsal.io is the, is the web address of that tool. And that's the one, it produces the little widgets that you put on websites and all of that sort of thing. And also lets people post reviews automatically to places like Google and Facebook and stuff like that when they leave you a review, which is pretty cool. That's the tool we use for it. The system at the moment, unfortunately, is when John remembers to ask people for reviews, um, I tend to get them. Um, but uh, I need to, that's one of the things that I need to automate in the business a bit better um, because we'd probably have a lot more reviews if I did that. <laughs> no, I know that one of my websites, you know, it's got the part for the reviews and people could just go in and it goes to the Apple or whatever and it just makes it easier for them. And mm. yeah, because, and what I've noticed with the podcast, most people haven't a clue how to actually give a review. No, because I'd ask people and I'll say the crypto, the new one. I said, hey, can you give me a review? How? How? And loads. And the same with Spotify. I think you can only give like the five star rate and you can't give a review. But most people actually are unaware how to do it. Yeah. So what, what I do is whenever we ask people for reviews, and this is one thing I do do, is we'll do a screen recording. Once again, just with Loom of us doing a review in what, whatever the tool is, whether it's, you know, iTunes or, or for our business website. And when we send out the request for review, we'll put that video in there and say, if, if you don't know how to do this, just watch this video. It'll walk you through step-by-step. Step. So anytime you're asking for reviews, uh, kind of, yeah, I don't want to sound insulting when I say this, but when, whenever you're asking people to do things, you've got to kind of like aim it at the dumbest person on the planet. Right, you've got to. You've just got to expect, like people's attention is so short, and and all of that sort of thing these days. You've got to make it really simple for people to know and understand how to take any action that you want them to take. And the best way to do that is anytime you want somebody to take an action, like literally walk them through it, like hold their hand through doing it, and that will improve your your rate of response. Literally on any any call to action, not just reviews, but. Yeah, you got to be really explicit with people, but video is a great format for doing that. 
It was because uh, I'm doing a speech next week and uh, I was just kind of going through my stuff on podcasting. And I found a video from 2018 of how what actually a podcast is because the amount of people that time didn't know what a podcast because I'm asking yeah. them, give me a five star rating, <laughs> and they're like, what's a podcast? So I actually had to create a video showing them, showing the symbol and how to find it and do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs> so finally, like you're a coaching as well. So, like, I suppose because there's a lot of coach listeners, there's a lot of people as well mm. that want to be coaching. I mean, like, do you do the coaching as a kind of a complete package? Or are you doing it as a more of a, a t- timely basis? Because for, for me personally, I, I've realized I don't want to do an hourly basis. It's more, I'm going to take it from start to finish. And I'm just curious mm. your, your process. Yeah. So we, we have a couple of different coaching things that we do. So with the course, we have group coaching. And that's kind of a package deal. You buy the course, you get group coaching as well. So every week we'll have a group coaching call where any of the students can come to that with any questions, anything they need feedback on, all that sort of thing. And so that's those are group calls. So we do it via Zoom and we'll have a whole bunch of people on the call along with either myself or Ben uh, as, as, the, as the instructors from the course. Um, so we do that and, you know, you get... Some, some weeks, some people come next week. It's different people just based on wherever they're up to with the course and their business and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but we also do do one-to-one coaching as well, which is, you know, a much more expensive proposition for people to take. And that tends to be where we're working with an individual through a set number of things to help them grow their business. So that's kind of like for maybe people that are a bit further down the track with their business, they've got a more advanced business and they want me or Ben to come in and like really add an extra advanced, you know, layer of knowledge and help for them into their business to find their opportunities and help them take advantage of those opportunities that they haven't uncovered yet. So we do that. We don't do a lot of that once again, because one-to-one stuff is really time consuming, right? And that's actually where our course came from originally. So I started off just doing one-to-one coaching with people. I've been doing that for like six years in this space. And it just became such a heavy burden on my time. And I was only couldn't, had lots of people asking for help. I just couldn't help because I just didn't have the time. And a lot of what they wanted help with was the same or very similar. So I thought, well, what's the quickest, how can I help more people with the same stuff? just record it all and and give that to people and then do coaching on top of that. And so because our our course is so comprehensive in in the space that we're in, most people who take it don't really need coaching. And part of that comes from the fact that I spent, before I created the course in its current form, I'd been talking to people about it for like five years. So I know kind of instinctively all the things that people ask, all the little nuances to it, from, from saying it so many times in one-to-one coaching sessions that when we turned it into a course, it was really easy to get all of the right stuff in there and answer a lot of questions so that as people watch through those videos and take the actions, they're not really left wondering like, oh, what should I be doing here? Or how do I do that or whatever? And so it really does make the coaching element of it a lot, a lot easier, I think. And that's like, that's, that's what I'm doing as well for the, the podcast coaching. It's like, cause a lot of people, then they can go at their own pace. They can do it in two days or they can Absolutely. kind of do it over two months. 
but like over the years you just understand so many different things and the beauty is as you're learning more you can just put it in and add it to the course and it's a a bonus to the people that have already bought it like that's the you know the beauty of it yeah yeah and and i think you know that that long time of, of practicing is as as you would have with podcasting i think that's that's part of that's what kind of sets apart the good good courses as well like you can tell it right when somebody's trying to teach something that they've only done for two or three months or something and they're doing it because they think it's easy money to to launch a course and sell it to people which a lot of people think that mm. you can instantly tell it they can't coach it and and the course just isn't really that valuable whereas when you get somebody who's been deeply immersed in whatever their topic is and, and they've been talking to people about that for a long period of time then i think it all just comes together so much better um for, for the students in there no, absolutely. And I just know from reading the testimonials, reviews that you've got, that your customers are very happy. So I suppose, like, really enjoyed our conversation, but how, how can people get in contact with you and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So just head over to dropshipbreakthrough.com. The breakthrough is spelled B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. So go there and you'll be able to go off to different parts of our business from there. But we have a podcast, which is called the Dropship Podcast. Very obviously titled podcast because that's what people often search on places like iTunes. So you can just search that up or you can get to it from our website. Uh, just search online for the Dropship Podcast and you'll find it. So I, I recommend people listen to that, right? Because I mean, if you want to find out more about myself and Ben and what we do and the type of business we run, we actually talk through it right from the beginning to end. We talk through all the different aspects of the business and you can hear all about it there. Uh, and we have a YouTube channel as well, where we do a, a lot of the same. We just have nice, fairly easy to digest videos where we talk through different, different parts of what we do. And if you prefer video over, over audio, you can check it out there for sure. And I'd encourage people to just check the about us on the page because what Ben wrote is very funny. So uh, I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and I make sure I put all the links spot in the audio and the video. So thank you very much, Chad. Yeah, absolute pleasure. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on BitChute YouTube. Sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and rate John's podcast as well, because it all helps. We're all trying to get higher up in the charts. Until next week, take care.